0: Are you there, Matthew 28? All right. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity that you've given to us to gather around your word. Thank you for your precious people who are here tonight, of whom Jesus died for. Thank you, O God, that, boy, that my inheritance is amongst them who are sanctified. Thank you, Lord, that you have placed me amongst people, holy people, O God, people who love you. People who are concerned about you and the things of the kingdom, concerned about your people, God. I'm so grateful, oh God, that I'm around like-minded people. So I pray, God, that as we are together tonight in this place, in this conference, in this convocation, in this meeting, that you would pour upon us, Lord God. That you would speak to us in a dynamic way, God a way that is clear to us, a way that we can grasp, speak to us in a manner that is understandable in the name of Jesus. So it is that understanding and revelation that we receive that causes our own personal lives to change and improve, causes our corporate lives together as our church family to improve, and then makes us effective in declaring this to others. So, God, we bless you right now for your word. It is quick. It's alive. It is powerful. And it is sharper than any two-edged sword. Thank you, O oh God. It is a discerner of thoughts. It is able, O oh God, to uh, to distinguish the difference, O oh God, between joint and marrow. Thank you right now, O oh God, for your word. It's like a hammer at times where it breaks up those hard things. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you for your word. It is like food in other times, O oh God, that we will esteem the words of your lips as Job did more highly than our necessary food. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Hallelujah. It is a lamp. It gives guidance. It's a lamp to our feet, the psalmist said, and a light unto our pathway. Thank you for your word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah that your word produces joy in us God. Hallelujah. For your words were found the prophet said, and I did eat them and it was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. Thank you, O oh God, for your word. Hallelujah. Thank you now for what you will say to us. For we declare that none of the incorruptible seed of your word will fall by the wayside and none will fall into stony or thorny ground but it will fall into good ground and produce a great harvest. We value your word tonight, Lord God. We value your word tonight. We dare not let any of it slip. Hallelujah. But we shall keep it. Hallelujah. We shall honor your word, reverence your word, O oh God. In the name of Jesus, we thank you for it, God. Father, we thank you for miracles that will take place tonight and for healings. That will take place, strategy and wisdom being released tonight, revelation knowledge flowing freely, unhindered, and un- unchecked by any force at all. We thank you, O oh God, for what you 'll do what you will say, O oh God, for the encouragement that will come, for the confirmation that will come as a result of your word, and the affirmation that you will bring to each one of us who are here tonight. So we bless you. And we praise you, O oh God, for we declare victory in this house. In the name of Jesus, we suffer no losses, O oh God, but only victory. We bless you right now. Hallelujah. For what you will do, what you will say in these next few moments. In Jesus' precious name. And the people of the Lord said, Amen. Open your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 28. We will look there. <clears throat> At verses 28, I'm sorry, verses 18 through 20. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. i Initially, I'll be reading from the King James Version. And it reads, and Jesus came and spake unto them. Are you there? Yeah. Saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Amen. We're going into our next summit, which is our evangelistic summit. Raise your Bibles with me. Let's make our declaration. Repeat after me. This book of the law, this book of the law, shall, the law shall, shall not depart out of my mouth, of my mouth but I will, I will meditate, meditate therein, therein, therein day and night. Day and night. I, will I will observe to do according to, do according to, all, to all that is written therein. therein. For then... My way shall be prosperous, and then I will have good success. Tell somebody I'm getting ready to be blessed. You may take your seats. We honor all of you in the house of the Lord tonight. First Lady Hodge, we thank God for you. Amen. To all of Amen. All of the ministers of the gospel, to everybody in the room, in the building. We honor you in your respective places. Thank God for you. Good to see you tonight. Amen. Good to see you tonight. Is the balcony roped off? I just need, I needed that. I needed, I needed that. Okay. All right. Going into our evangelistic summit. Now, as I've already said, we have, um, in our kingdom summit series that we've begun some time ago, uh, it has four emphasis, uh, singles, um, prayer, um, evangelistic or evangelism and economics those are the four emphasis that we have there in each of those summits I think thus far we have traveled a good distance and uh, I believe that we've heard from the Lord thus far Uh, we've established in this Kingdom summit series that there is an enemy that we are targeting on purpose and the enemy that we are targeting on purpose is the flesh We're targeting the flesh on purpose because the flesh is adversarial towards any spiritual endeavor. Anything spiritual that you and I engage in, the flesh will not support it. The flesh will not finance it. The flesh will not partner with you on it. The flesh will be at odds and at enmity with you. Because spiritually speaking, what happens is when you and I begin to move in a spiritual vein, we're allowing our human spirit through the Holy Spirit to be activated to get the things of God done, whatever God's desire, whatever his will is done. Amen. But what happens is many times I don't feel like it. I didn't mean to say it so direct. I didn't mean to say it so direct, but y'all know what I mean. Some Many times... My body don't want to cooperate because my mind wants to do something else. You know what I mean? Many times that what I'm feeling and sensing, you know, is not in concert with the passion that I have for God. Many times there are conflicting passions, conflicting feelings that I may have. Amen. Because I may have other appointments and other things I want to do or need to do. Get on my face and I want to pray. But my mind says, remember, you have to. Okay. Amen. Amen. And then come on, when the temperature rises in your body, you know what I mean? When there's a sensuality and all that kind of stuff start rising up in you, you got to fight that stuff off. Amen. So that, so that you can get what God wants you to get done. Amen. Amen. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. I'll just be real. All I'm really trying to establish is that the flesh is at odds with any spiritual activity. The flesh is catered to as a result or it gives, we give birth to the flesh as a result of the lower nature of man. The lower nature of man. The sinful nature of man, if you will. That part, the sinful nature of man, Always is, is, uh, pushing the flesh forward. I'm not talking about the skin per se. I'm talking about these passions, these unbridled passions and these, these desires, amen, that are ungodly. Come on, y'all. Ungodly desires, amen. Uh, uh, <clears throat> so we have to overcome that. It's like going to church. I don't know about y'all, but there's sometimes I don't feel like going to church. Amen. I get a whole lot of church too. I go to church a lot. <laughs> I go to church a lot. I go to church, I used to go to church a lot, way more than a lot of y'all. I used to go to church all the time. Okay. Thank God for help. I don't have to go to church as much as to go to church, but I still, I'm still logging in some serious hours. You know, when it comes down to the things of God, to, to the house of God. Amen. There are times I really don't want to go. Amen. But I never let all of that stuff went out. I don't let the flesh just have rule in this matter. Amen. I'm telling you, it's very, very difficult for any type of ailment and sickness, you know what I mean, to really stop me. It's really difficult for that to stop me. Really, really difficult for sickness and and, and stuff like that to stop me. Amen. Amen. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. It's real tough for those things. They have a hard way to go when it comes down to Stephen Hodge. Amen. Um. Because that the the flesh, I just don't want to to have no place. Paul said it real nicely there in Romans chapter number seven. He told us, he said that is, he said, in my flesh that is in me dwells no good thing. Amen. And so that's and it is the truth. Okay, we discovered there Paul talking to the church at Galatia. He told you know he says those who will sow to the flesh shall reap, come on of the flesh corruption. You know, so there is this eroding, this eroding type of an effect that happens when we allow the flesh to have a voice. So our, we're targeting, amen, the enemy of the flesh. Amen? So now, as we're looking at this summit, the evangelistic summit, we see here that Jesus is, uh, making his preparation for his departure to return to the father. We see the actual departure of Jesus there in the book of Acts chapter 1. When he has his final remarks and words with the disciples. And then as they sorrow they watch him go uh, back to be with the father there. But right here at the end of Matthew's gospel. We find that Jesus uh, shares something with them. Which is really the culminating, uh, culminating statements before he leaves. He's letting them know. That now you have been with me all of these years. Amen. I've called you from your fishing uh, rods. Some of you. I've called you from your tax collecting assignments. I've called you from the different jobs that you were on to follow me. And you have followed me. As a result of following me, you became disciples. You became disciples. In fact, go with me to Matthew chapter 16 real quickly. Go to Matthew 16. Then we'll come right back. Matthew 16. <clears throat> and we'll see what Jesus says to them along the way. Because as he called them, they began to follow him. And wherever he went, they went as well. Amen. He didn't have much time to to bring them in a classroom setting to teach them. Many of the things that the disciples learned was what they saw Jesus do. And when they didn't understand some of the things he did, he would take the moment and to teach them either through parables or to teach them principles. He would teach them about that. When they had questions about matters, he would answer them, you know, in such a way to help them in 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 their walk as disciples amen so he's he 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 works with them and he's training them and watch what he says in matthew sixteen go there to verse number twenty <clears throat> um, yes mhm verse number twenty four Bible says in Matthew sixteen twenty four. then said Jesus unto his disciples, if any man will what Amen. come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he hath gained the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Jesus talks to the disciples here because he's in a training mode. He's in a training mode. He said, now, if you're going to come after me, if you're going to follow me, then you have to deny yourself. Okay, everybody say deny yourself? You have to deny yourself. That's that's one of the precursors of really being a disciple. You have to deny yourself. You have to rid yourself of these personal ambitions that you have. You have to surrender. There is a surrendering that has to take place. You have to deny yourself. Because as long as self is in the way, it's going to be a hindrance from becoming what Jesus is training us to be. So he said you have to deny yourself, take up your cross. In other words, there is a sacrificial type of of, 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 of heart that you have to have. You have to sacrifice. Take up your cross. You have to be sacrificial. You're gonna have to give up some things. Amen. You're going to have to, you know, there's some things that you're going to have to be sacrificial about. You're going to have to carry your own cross. Amen. Amen. They're going to, they're gonna, you know, they may crucify you on that same thing that you're carrying. That belief system. You have to just be sacrificial. You got to give up for this. And he says, follow me. The word follow me or the term follow me, as it, it, it translates, is imitate me. Imitate me. So Jesus is training and he's teaching them. And so now as we go back to Matthew 28, we see now there that Jesus is readying his departure. He is readying his departure now. And he's communicating with him. Look at what he says there again in Matthew 28. 18, he says to them, the B portion of 18, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. He says, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Now, the Amplified, watch how the Amplified reads that. He says now, And Jesus approached and breaking the silence, said said to them, all authority, all power of rule in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Listen to this. Watch this now. Come here. Go then, he says, and make disciples. Did not we just look at Jesus making disciples of the disciples of those that he called? So he prepared them. Guess what? Guess what? Now, after Jesus has prepared them and equipped them. Now he says to them, do. Yeah, yeah. Go and do paraphrase as I have done with you. Do as I have done. With you, do that with others. He says, go then and make disciples, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you all the days perpetually, he says. So he's telling them now, as I have trained you, now what I want you to do now is to replicate yourself, duplicate yourself. That's what good leaders do. They reproduce themselves. He says, now I want you now to train others, disciple others, bring them. Watch this. Bring them into A specified discipline. Bring them into a specified, set aside, separated, different type of discipline. Bring them into a new order. Bring them into a discipline. Hallelujah. Bring them into a discipline. The rabbis. The the Jewish rabbis of days gone by, in their tradition, ortho, in their traditional Orthodox, when they would train, train their students. The students were pupils. Uh, when they would train their students, however, what would happen is, however, the rabbi would walk. They would walk the same way. So if the rabbi walked like this, the students would embrace that same type of walk. It would designate to others that they were a part of that rabbi's school. So if the rabbi had a limp, then they would adopt the limp. What it would do is it would speak to others saying that they are a part of this particular rabbi's school or discipline. Yeah. So Jesus says to them, make disciples of all the nations. Now, y'all ready to go deeper now? So as we look at this, dealing with this evangelistic or this, yeah, this evangelistic summit, here is the purpose of this summit. The purpose of this summit is to turn the attention Of the church outside of the four walls. To turn the attention of the church outside of the four walls. Hmm. Yeah. We come in here, if I can use the principle and the example of Jesus, we come in here, yeah, to be encouraged yeah to get healed yeah but we come in here to get instruction when it when it comes down to the teaching of the word that's time for instruction amen when we have our prayer when we're praying we deal with ourselves quickly then we turn our attention to others moving out of selfishness in prayer When we're singing our praise songs, what we're doing is we're declaring how powerful our God is. We're declaring the victory of Jesus in in the lives of his people. That's what we're talking in our praise. When we move into our time of worship, we move into a time that we say and, and identify ourselves. We're not talking so much about what God has done. Now we're turning our attention towards a more intimate part of our relationship with God. Instead of telling others about God, we are now communing with God. Excuse me. We have our personal time, if you will. Excuse me, can't talk with you right now. We have our personal time, you know what I mean? With the Lord. And we have our one-on-one where we uh, reestablish, reaffirm our loyalties and our commitments and our love to God. Through our time of worship. Yeah. We identify, we identify ourselves that he's our God. Lord, I love you. Nobody like you. I adore you. I honor you. Have deep regard and respect and reverence for who you are. I know that you are the great king. So me, I bow before your majesty. You know what I mean? We move into worship. I got to get out of there. We move into worship. And we honor Him. Amen. We're getting positioned, we're getting ourselves positionally correct with God. We're making sure that we're connected to our Father. That there are no breaks, that there's nothing in between He and I. Y'all with me? Our giving tells God of our stewardship and our love for Him. When we give our finances, our funds, when we give our food, when we give away things, we say, God, We love you because we're giving as unto the Lord. When we tithe, we're saying, God, I love you and you can trust me. I'll give you yours. You know what I mean? When When we're giving our offering, we're saying, God, we're offering this. I can't come up there naturally where you are, God, but this is a representation of me in your presence. Give our offering." What are we doing? We have made everything right. We have prepared everything so that when the instruction comes. When he, God, who is everything. You and I can only be kings and priests because our father is such. Come on, y'all. Because he is such. Bible speaks of Jesus being our high priest. Whoever lives to make intercession for us. So Jesus, prophet, priest, and king. So now, it, it is that now that the priest will step forward. The priestly flow will step forward. The preacher would come forth and would begin to declare the word of the Lord. Not prophet declaring, speaking on behalf of God necessarily. But the but the priest who will get up and teach, the teacher who will get up and teach, the rabbi who will get up and teach, he comes to us and he declares to us the instruction that we need. Y'all with me? And so we come now to this time where we hear the instruction. So we're coming tonight to be instructed. We're coming to get empowered, y'all. Amen. Because... As we are empowered and we are instructed, now what we will do with the instruction as we have been learners, pupils, and we have learned, now we bring others into the same experience. Yeah. So now, in our purpose, it is now getting the church after we have been instructed, once we know what it is that we are to do, Then we are now to turn our attention outside of the four walls of the church house. And now we go. God, We go now with the passion of God. Not only the passion of the Lord, but the compassion of Jesus. We go out now because it is. Oh my God. It breaks our heart like it breaks the heart of the father. To see men and women, boys and girls be lost be lost for no reason because Jesus paid the price, so now to be lost after some after Jesus had paid the price is to be lost senselessly. Go to second Peter chapter number three our job our need what god requires of us is to feel like he feels oh my god to feel like him to desire what he desires that's the position that he wants us to be in we should be so sensitized by god hallelujah That when the power, when you and I, how many of y'all have experienced the power of God just falling and you're just under arrest? Right? And you don't have to ask nobody, "Is is, is the spirit of God moving in here? You don't have to ask anybody. Because you are captured by him yourselves. We are all captured and under arrest by him. His presence has gotten our attention. We can no longer look left all right, We can no longer look at anything else, pay attention to anything else. Our thoughts must come here right now because he commands that attention. And so when that happens, he has our undivided. We are captured by him. Now watch this. We're not just captured by him just so that he has our attention, but that he also, he now has impact upon us. That when I walk away from this place, watch this now. That there is the scent of him on me. That I, that, that I am sensitized by him. You know what I mean? I'm sensitized by him. So now when he, when he would see a thing, I see the same thing and feel like he feels. Because he has Impacted my life. He has changed me. Come on. It's not my will. It's the will of the Lord now. Amen. I don't struggle whether I should use my words or his words. I use his words. See, I get to a place where it's all right. It's fine with me. His words are fine. I don't have to fight God on using my words or whether using his words. I have settled the fact that he's Lord. He's in charge. If I'm going to have the success that he has had, I have to do exactly what he's done. So I must walk away from these experiences, whether they're here or whether they're in my bathroom. Come on, whether they're in the bedroom, whether they're in the living room, whether they're in the kitchen, whether I'm walking down the aisle of a store and all of a sudden there is this manifested presence of God that shows up, that captures me right there in the aisle, aisle four, in the aisle. Captures me there, sensitized by him. I see like he sees. I feel like he feels. Come on now. My desire is his desire. With me? Amen. In second Peter, chapter number three, look there at verse number nine. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. As some men count slackness, but is long suffering to usward. Not willing, come on, that any should what? Perish, but that all should what? Come to repentance. Do you see the heart of God? God is not slack concerning his promise, as some men encounter slackness. In other words, there are those who feel like God's taking too long. God, you see all this mess going on? You take, judge it now, Lord. Judge her now. Judge him now. And then we complain that God's taking too long. I've known people that try to help God along the way. But we feel that God's taking too long. Do I have any, any honest people in? Have you ever been in a position or in a place where you felt like things should have been moving quicker? You ever felt like God, that you needed God to move faster than he's moving? Come on, let me see your hands. Yeah, yeah. We've been there. But let me just remind you, because God has more in mind than you and I. When something is happening, he has more in mind than just our comfort at the time. Because God's not trying to always make us comfortable as we want to be comfortable. Amen. He's not slack concerning his promise as some men count as slackness. But he is long-suffering to usward. That means that we have a God who is merciful. A God who is patient. Mm. I'm glad he was patient with me. But he is long-suffering to usward. Not willing, watch this, not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. God wants everybody to take advantage of the salvation provided by him through his son, Jesus Christ. He wants everyone to be reconciled. He wants everyone to be reconnected. He wants everyone to come back, hallelujah, in right relationship and right fellowship with the father. That's what God wants. He wants everybody, everybody. The person that's that's mocking you and harming you, he wants them saved too. Right. He wants them saved too. He wants he wants of our day that term that they're using now. He wants the thugs saved. Amen. I can't remember what we used to, what they used to call them back in in in, in the seventies in and eighties, but but thugs, hoodlums, hoodlums, gangsters. Yeah, God loves gangsters. <laughs> Amen. Now we got the gospel gangsters, right? That's a gospel group, gospel gangsters. Amen. You know, so God is interested in the salvation of the lost. He's not willing. It is not His will that any should perish. The prostitute, how many of you, God, how many of y'all know that God wants the prostitute saved? How many of you know He wants the liar saved? How do you know he wants the CEO of a corporation saved? Amen. He just don't want poor people saved. He wants rich people saved too. See the difference between <clears throat> between uh, a person who uh, uh, um, who is waiting on the manifestation of their wealth <laughs> and a person who has their wealth. Amen. A person who's waiting on the manifestation who is saved and the person who has their wealth, who's not saved. The only difference is not the wealth. It's not the wealth. So I'm not I'm not saved to get wealthy. i am not saved to get I did not get saved so I can get rich. Amen, because there's a whole lot of people who are rich and they are not saved. Ain't even planning on it. Okay. Got making money hand over fist. Ain't thinking about salvation at all. Okay. Living large. So our salvation is not so that we can become wealthy. Not at all. Not at all. Because my wealth is not the same kind of wealth that the world has. Amen. Amen. I am rich. Watch this. I, I am rich in spirit. Now, y'all say, well, pastor, you know, that's cool. But let me just say something now. I am rich in spirit. And at the end of the day, when the, you know, as, as I used to say in church, when the roll call is made. Amen. I'm going up yonder. I'm going to be with the Lord. I'm, I, my wealth internally in my spirit equals out to salvation eternally now while i'm here rich in inside i plan on experiencing hallelujah a level of wealth and natural riches now here's 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 the reason not to compete or compare with the wealth of the world I'm not even talking about economic yet, but but let me just drop this here. But my wealth is so that the kingdom of God can be advanced without any struggle. So the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness. But as long suffering to us who are not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That is the will of God. That is the will of God. And that should be our desire. Do not lose the purpose. The purpose is that the church would turn its attention beyond the four walls. That we would now, like God would, desire to see the lost saved. At any level. See him saved. Amen. I'll never forget this. I was listening to. Um, listen to Bishop uh, Hilliard. Uh, every now and then he will. He'll express. Uh, some of his prayer assignments. That he is praying about. And one of the. One of his focal prayer point. Uh, uh, prayer assignments. Is that he's praying. uh For. Uh, what's that guy that used to play for the Chicago Bulls that dressed like a woman sometime? Dennis Rodman. Okay. His prayer, he, one of his prayer assignments, his focal prayer assignments is he prays, God put on his heart that Dennis Rodman would get saved. And he's been praying that prayer for years consistently. You know what I mean? Because he needs to be saved. Need to be saved. Okay, Jay-Z and Beyonce, they need, they need the Lord, man. Okay? They need the Lord unquestionably. Amen. They need the Lord. See, and at some point we ought to Make the decision, I'm not gonna buy that ticket to their concert. To go there to enjoy myself. At some point in time, we ought to decide, you know what? They need Jesus, man. No, I'm, I'm serious about that. Not trying to be funny, but we, we need to really look at this. They need the Lord. I mean, they need the Lord bad. But just imagine if they got saved. I'm not talking about Hollywood, say. I might get in trouble for this. might get in trouble for this. made a comment, you know, because they have these uh, these shows that come on. Um, what do they call them? What do they call these shows now? Reality shows. They have these reality shows come on. And I think that the, the Braxton girls. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Tamar, I think she got her own, her and her husband, then I think there's a, is there another one with everybody? I don't know. But anyway, you know, mother's a pastor, right? Or either was, I'm not sure if she still is, but she's a preacher, right? I thought it was the worst having a funeral for that dog the way they had that funeral for that dog the other day. I think that was the worst. Don't worry about it if you didn't see it. I was, I was just kind of, I was, uh, I was subject to it, but anyway. <laughs> But anyway, but anyway, but here's, here's what happens. Here's what happens. Their, their, their baseline, their foundation is in the Lord. So every now and then them girls will go off into singing the gospel music. They'll sing a tune here and there and, you know, and wreck it now. You know what I mean? They go in. Okay. Um, um, and then they'll show a scene with a girl, Tamar, I believe it is, um, she'll go in and next thing you know she's a bleepity bleep, the bleepity bleep, stuff coming out of her mouth. She's just using profanity. Bleepity bleep bleep, then bleepity bleep. <laughs> then there's that other girl, the rapper, used to be rapper. What's her name? Who? Little Mo? That girl. Right, that girl, right? That girl, the girl can you can tell where their baseline is, right? They squall and and, and hallelujah, right? They say no bleep a bleep bleep a de bleep, and then they'll tell you, well, you're not know, saved. I love the Lord, and here's the thing, and that's why I call it Hollywood salvation. Because you have to be careful with that that platform that you have. You have that platform. You have that type of influence. And then you have those who may be in Hollywood who now will embrace you. Because now they see that you can be saved and still do this. See, so what I'm talking about being saved and winning the lost, I'm talking about where there is a life change yeah, Lord. Amen. where there is. Can I go back to old school, which is new school, which is forever. I'm talking about holiness. I'm talking about sanctification. Y'all ever heard of that before? I'm talking about sanctification. I'm talking about holiness. You know what I mean? Cause right now, holiness is on the shelf in some places. But we love Jesus. Okay? Now I'm not judge nor jury to say whether them girls, them guys, whoever's doing that, whether they saved or not. All I know is that a, a, a tree cannot lie. A tree, an apple tree will not yield orange groves. A pear tree you will never find hanging from a pear tree an apple. That's all I say. Okay. All I know is what you are is what you will get yield. It tells us what type of tree you are. You know what I mean? So... We have a job, folks. We have a job. We have a job. Watch this now. We have a job against this. Uh, what is it called? The, the 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 um this religious this religious movement. Um, uh, um, the new age. We don't hear much about new age, but new age. I'm telling you, is growing and growing and growing. It's growing. Because the New Age movement deals with religion. It doesn't deal with the truth. It deals with truths. New Age says, if in Hinduism, there is a a principle that is good and moral, we will embrace it. In the uh, Muslim faith, if there is a principle, we'll bring that in. If in Christianity there are principles that's good, we'll bring that in. You know what I mean? It just reaches wherever there is something good, they will bring it in and adopt it. So they might be Hindu today, might be Christian tomorrow, might be a Muslim the next day. We have work to do. And you'll see what I mean once we get there. We have work to do. Serious work to do. Hallelujah. And it's not gonna be done exclusively by our words. Mm. But it's going to be done primarily by our life. So that means that we have to take our life out there. Our life Style, Y'all with me? Hallelujah. Let me read this so I can be prepared to come to a close for tonight. Because I really wanted to introduce this subject matter tonight. When it comes to evangelism. There is no ministry of the church that is more vital. It must be known. That evangelism is so critical that if we do not do it, uh, if we do not engage in an evangelistic thrust, we are one generation, the church is, one generation from extinction. You can see it. In some of the churches, in some of the churches, I used to go to the, the, the council of churches meetings. I stopped because I couldn't. At some of the stuff I just couldn't deal with the foolishness and some of the things. I just couldn't. You know, you have some who are there, and their heart, man, their heart is there for God. You know, and then you have to deal with you know some of the ecumenical foolishness that is there. I just couldn't stand. You know, I couldn't take a I'm sorry. I just couldn't take a lot of it. But anyway, <clears throat> there, there, in one of the meetings I was at, there was one pastor of the Unitarian Church. I won't tell you which one, but one pastor of the Unitarian Church who was making a plea to the rest of us pastors to help her. She was looking for some insight, some wisdom to help her because <clears throat> The leadership of the Unitarian Church, the overseers, they were not so interested in youth. They have this disdain about the youth and the society of the day. And so she's different in her thinking as relates to that subject. So they have allowed the older ones to get older in the church. And now she was complaining about how the average age in their church is 78, 79 years of age. And the people there and the people are dying. Okay. Now, I don't, I don't, you know, I think growing old is is wonderful. I can't, I'm, you know, hallelujah. I'm getting there. Okay. I'm going to surpass all that. Jesus don't come. I'm going to keep moving. I'm going to keep. Hallelujah. I'm going to keep flipping the pages. You know what I mean? Dates going to keep going by. The dates. Next year. Right? Keep going. But here's my point. That as the people are aging in that church, the average is 78, 79. So there were 80s and 85-year-olds. And as they were passing on, the church was reducing in numbers. So she told us, if the averages play out, we will not exist in two to three years. Okay, that's a, that's a microcosm of what will happen if we do not embrace the most important assignment that Jesus put on the church. We are one generation away from extinction. The church. Yeah. Yeah. So what Jesus taught the disciples in those three plus years. And the words he gave at his departure were so critical. It was so critical. He was not telling them. To be bigwigs now. Since you've been around me. He says now you got to serve. You got to get in the trenches. You got to go where the people are. You have to take your life outside of this church. Take your life out there. When we come in here. We are being perfected y'all. We're hearing things that we might not always like. But my God, the truth is making us free. The truth, come on, is getting us prepared. The truth is getting us ready. Stuff that needs to be fixed. We're hearing a word that's fixing us. We're hearing a word of healing that's healing us. Hallelujah. We're finding out how to respond to our brothers and sisters. We're finding out how to live together. Amen. We're finding out how not to curse some of the rough edges of others, because those rough edges help to smooth us some of us out. We're learning that the environment is conducive for growth. That's what happens here. And once we get better, then we are to take our lives to the world. Yeah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jim. Ain't no time for being ashamed to be a Christian. I don't want nobody to know who I, I mean, that is so old, man. We got to come out of that. Talking about coming out the closet. We need to come out for real. Maybe I ought to preach a message coming out the closet. Hmm. I think it will. Remind me. Hallelujah. Now. So now we have to understand, we have to have this in mind, understanding how important evangelism is. Hallelujah. Evangelism is when believers take responsibility For the harvest that's ready. Oh, that's good. When we take responsibility for the harvest that's ready. But Jesus said for the harvest is truly plenteous. But the laborers, come on, are few. We have to take responsibility. Tell somebody I got to take responsibility for the harvest. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Evangelism has an inward task and an outward task. Our inward task is that we as the people of God, the church of Jesus Christ, must understand clearly... That we have a biblical call to reach others for Jesus Christ. But the outward task is that we must understand that we must take this understanding. That we have a biblical call to reach others for Christ. We must turn that understanding into action. In this lesson, we will deal with three components. Three components we will deal with in evangelism. Number one, we will deal with telling of the good news. Number two, we will deal with how to announce the kingdom of God oh man that's good can't wait to get into it and then number three we will deal with our responsibility to bear witness telling of the good news number one announcing the kingdom of God number two and bearing witness number three Now, let me close with this. Y'all still, y'all keeping up? Okay. Proverbs 11. Proverbs 11, go there. Oh, I love this tonight. Proverbs 11. Are you there? I want us to get this. I need us to get this. I need us. I need us. To dig deep inside. And be willing to take responsibility. In carrying this good news. To the world. I want us to overcome our fears. And I get it. Many of us are fearful when it comes down. To sharing our faith. Taking the gospel out. Because of what we have seen others do. How that we've seen others who have such a style that it doesn't fit our style. We have seen others abuse, Lord have mercy, abuse this evangelism effort. And so when we see things like that, it frightens us. And so we shrink back and we would rather just go to church and enjoy ourselves in church rather than sharing our faith. Many of us don't even share our faith with our families. Because we don't want to be perceived, you know, we don't want to be perceived as no holy roller. Thank you. We don't want to be perceived as some holy roller. Who you think you are? We all grew up together. Why are you so different? Some of y'all can't take that kind of persecution. And that ain't that's light persecution. I can tell you what the disciples went through. Being boiled in oil. What about that? That's real persecution. That's right. But we can't take, you know, we can't take rejection from our family. But my point is, I really need you, and I want to get carried away. I need us as a people, as a body of people. I need us to sense this urgency. That we have a responsibility to share the good news with the world. I showed you when we were, well, I don't know if it was Sunday or last Wednesday, I, a lot of stuff is kind of run together. But we looked at Mark chapter 4 and we, we looked at the three-step process. I think it was last Wednesday. About the farmer who sows the seed and he goes to bed at night and he wakes up in the morning. He You know what I mean? He goes to sleep, then he rises. He goes to sleep and he rises. Right? Remember that? Yeah. And the Bible says, he knoweth not how. Speaking of how this thing is going to come up. Okay. Don't worry about how it's going to get done. Don't worry about how God is going to do it. Don't worry about if God's going to touch their heart. no. We have to take our life knowing that God will use our life to make a difference. You don't have to be all, okay. You don't have to be the stereotypical, whatever image of a, of a Christian you think it is. You don't have to be the stereotypical Christian for God to use you. Hello? Hello? Look here in Proverbs 11, verse number 30. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And he that winneth souls, come on, is wise. wise. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And he that winneth souls is Wise. wise. Look at what it says now, and we'll pick this up tomorrow night because I want to go deeper, dig deeper tomorrow. It says that the fruit of the righteous, the what of the righteous? The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. Your fruit, our fruit, the fruit of the, the fruit that we bear, my Lord, the fruit that is born from our life. As we are anchored in Christ, the fruit that is born from our life, it's fruit coming off of my life, but the fruit is in fact a tree of life. The fruit is a tree. It's a fruit that's been born from my life, but it is a tree of life come on, to others. Hallelujah. Which means that if if I am giving birth to fruit from my life, then fruit is to be eaten. You got to understand that. Fruit is to be enjoyed. Fruit is to be taken. Come on, fruit is to be indulged in. People will find life once they... Take a bite. Okay, let me say it the right way. Their life will change once they rub shoulders, once, once they have contact with me, the juices, okay, the, the, my life, the fruit, come on, has in it the stuff that's gonna heal them. Fruit is to be, fruit, fruit is to be taken, enjoyed. And the fruit, see, see, see. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, y'all. It's a tree of life. And he that winneth souls is wise. Translation says that he that captures. The fruit of the uncompromisingly righteous is a tree of life. That's the Amplified. And he who is wise captures human lives for God as a fisher of men. He gathers and receives them for eternity. I want to pick it up. Start running from there tomorrow night. Wanted to establish foundation tonight. Concerning evangelism. Want to establish that foundation. Because I want to build this image and build this picture. Of us. In a boat. As lifeguards. Set out at sea to rescue those who are drowning. I want us to get that image. I'm not saying you're better than anybody. I am saying the lost needs to be saved. And our flesh is an enemy to that spiritual commission. And we got to dead the flesh. We got to get the flesh out of the way. We got to get fear out of the way. So we can do what we're called to do. Y'all with me? Y'all hear me? We got to get the flesh out of the way. I know it's not popular. It's not trying to be popular either. I'm trying to raise it up to a level of importance now. I'm trying to raise this up to a level of importance. The church needs to embrace. This is the primary call of the church right here, right here. We call it the great commission. I always say this is a mission statement for the church right here. Go ye therefore make disciples of men. Hallelujah. Y'all receive that tonight. Amen. Give the Lord a praise. Come on, let's bless God. Hallelujah. Stand to your feet with me. Glory to God.